everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We have our NFL preview episode dropping today. That's right. Football season's finally here. Week one underway. I cannot wait. I got two people in the studio with me to do a full NFL preview. I'll be joined by unofficial co-host of the podcast, Bill Schneiderhand and Jack Clark in just a bit to go down some stories about the Jets, the Giants, some big headlines as we enter the latest NFL season. Showing the money is also back. Week one picks underway. We'll be joined by Giant fan Justin Diaz, who had a memorable rant last year. We'll see what he has to offer in this week's picks. Be sure you're locked into the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill, where I talk about the latest sign of tremendous sportsmanship from the U.S. Open, courtesy of Naomi Osaka. But we'll get everything started with this week's opening tip, where we take a look at the New York Mets and how they made a 4-2 and road trip, a disappointing end to their season. That's coming up right after this. Soto at third, Taylor the tying run at second. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later! The Nets have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! All right, we are back with this week's opening tip. That call you just heard from SNY's Gary Cohen and the Washington Nationals announcers on MASN. The Nationals pulling off a truly historic comeback on Wednesday night, beating the Mets 11-10. The Mets held a 10-4 lead in that game in the ninth inning with one out and blew the game. And that game right there was the end of the Mets season. I know they went 4-2 on the trip. I know they won the next game on the YouTube TV. They won 7-4. They had a successful trip, but they easily could have been 6-0 on this road trip. Easily 6-0. And I blame Mickey Callaway for why this team is not 6-0. We'll start with the game they lost in Philly on Sunday night. They are down 2-1 in the eighth inning. They run on first and second. Nobody out. Mickey Callaway goes for the bunt, plays for the tie, gets the tie, and then the bullpen blows the game to the bottom of the inning. My issue with that is this. You are on the road. Your bullpen stinks. You know your bullpen is horrible. I think you have to play for the lead there. You have to. I know you got the run. I feel like you don't play for the tie on the road. You play for the tie at home. On the road, you play for the win. And they had enough hitters on that team that they could have gotten it done. Rogers were expanded, remember. So they should have bet on their offense to get a big hit and found a way to do it, but they did not. And then we get to Tuesday. We get to that disaster in Washington. To reset here, they are in this game. They're up 5-2 to two in the eighth inning. Mickey sends Jake back out, which is the right call. Jake is up a two-run homer, makes it 5-4, and Callaway promptly gets him out for Seth Lugo. Lugo retires the side on 10 pitches. And then the Mets do what they do. They score five in the top of the ninth. Pete Alonso is his 44th homer of the year. And you're like, okay, cool. We can put this to bed. We're going to go home. Mickey Callaway goes to, you know what? We'll take Lugo out, which I understand. We need to save him for tomorrow. But instead of putting in somebody who is remotely trustworthy, he goes to one of his bottom relievers in the bullpen, Paul Seawald. Seawald, first hit. Gives up a hit first. Gets an out. Next bear of that inning, Trey Turner doubles to right. Victor Robles scores 10-5. Runner on second base. Okay. Give him another batter. Astruel Cabrera singles. And then we have runners on first and third. At that point, Mickey needs to be taking him out of the game. But he leaves him in. Anthony Rendon singles. Run scores. 10-6. Runners on first and second with one out. At that point, Cowley says, you know what? Fine, I'll take Seawall out. I will go get Luis Avalon to face lefty Juan Soto. Juan Soto sneaks a single through. Bases are loaded. One out. At that point, with the bases loaded, you need to go to a capable reliever. At that point, you have two choices, basically. You go to Justin Wilson, who on the year, essentially on ERA about two, he have three home runs. Or you go to Edwin Diaz, who has control issues, has electric stuff, according to the manager. But he has an ERA over five, and he's got 13 home runs. 
Which door do you think Mickey took? That's right. He sent Edwin Diaz in. Diaz gives up a two-run double, 10-8. At that point, you're like, okay, they're going to lose this game. It's a matter of how they're going to lose it. Next batter, Kurt Suzuki, three-run bomb to left. Ball game over. Mets lose. Historic collapse. Here are some numbers here. Courtesy of Mets beat report, Anthony DeCombe on Twitter. The Mets entered the bottom of the ninth that game with a 99.7% chance of winning. They blew it. Teams up six-plus runs in the ninth this season were 274-0. and 0. No losses. Teams up six-plus runs at any point in the game were 507-1. and 1. The Mets became the second team this year to lose a game like that. Again, this is atrocious baseball from the Met bullpen. Cowboys deserve some blame here because I get that you don't want to put Lugo out there with a six-run lead and you want to see him for tomorrow, but do you have to go to one of the worst guys in your bullpen? Paul Sewell spent the entire year pretty much in the minor leagues, and you had bullpen issues the whole season. You couldn't trust him in July or June when you needed help, but now, and this game's matter the most, that's when he's getting the last inning? Really? They have Brad Brock out there who had not pitched since August 28th. That's a week. You couldn't get him in the ballgame there, get him some work? If you decide to push Lugo there, you have an off day on Thursday. Now's not the time you cute with the bullpen. And this is what he's been doing the last week. He did that on Labor Day with Tyler Batchelor trying to close out a game. It got so bad, and he had Diaz to come in and get the last out. He did that in Philadelphia on Saturday when they had the big lead. Chris Mazza could not get anybody out. And then he got yanked, and they had to use another premier leader to get through the end of the inning. That is poor bullpen management, and that's a sign of what is going on with the manager. And before we move on here, I want to play some clips here of what some of the players sounded like after the game and what Mickey sounded like. Let's hear first from Brandon Nimmo. This is all courtesy of SNY's Twitter, by the way. Um, Yeah, I mean, when I came in here, I was... I didn't really know what just happened. I mean, it was kind of just seemed like a bad dream. So, um, I don't know. That just, that's hard to do even in a little league game, I feel like, to come back from seven runs down in the bottom of the ninth against guys throwing 99 miles an hour. So, yeah, I don't really have words for that. Yeah, it's Brandon. He's clearly distraught by blowing this game, and he had a big game that night too. Let's go to Jeff McNeil also after this game. It's really tough. Um, you know, anytime you score ten runs, and especially with uh, you know Jake on the mound, you expect to win. And um, that one's just unfortunate. What is the challenge right now of trying to flush this one? You guys have done a good job of it this year, but this one is you know, particularly difficult. Um, yes, yeah, might be the toughest one of the season. Um, you know, we had it. We had it. He's right. They had it, and that was definitely the toughest loss of the season. Those two players very upset about this. Let's hear what the manager had to say. It, they, they've done a great job of uh, you know coming to get coming together and continuing to to play as hard as they can. You know si- situations like this. Yeah, we'll touch some guys up. You know, I already talked to Diaz on his way in. Hey, keep your head up. You know, it's uh, it's a tough one. So yeah, it's it's a little tougher than than some others, but uh, we'll get through it because we have a resilient bunch in there. It's tougher than some others, really. Have a pulse, Mickey. Your team just committed a historically bad loss. The Mets in franchise history had never blown a game that bad. And you're going over there, oh, golly gee, we had a tough one. We'll be a bounce back tomorrow. Show me a little fire and brimstone there. Be pissed. Flip a table. Do something. Show a pulse. Nothing. Now, he gets a slight pass because the Mets won the next day, but their season's pretty much over. They don't have enough room left to make up the playoff ground. They've lost with, oh, between the six-game losing streak and those two losses on the trip. They just don't. I mean, let's go to the standings right now. I'm recording on Thursday afternoon with this one. So, after the Mets have won, they had the off day today. They are 71-68. and 68. They have an 11.4% chance of making the playoffs. And they are four and a half games back of the Chicago Cubs, the second wildcard spot. The first one is gone. The Nationals are far away with there. They're 78 and 60. The Mets can't catch them. The Cubs right now are 75 and 63. They have a game in hand on the Mets. The 24 games left, both a 23 for the Mets. 
if they play 500 ball just the rest of the way, and their schedule is pretty easy, so they'll probably do better than this. But let's say for argument's sake, they play 500 baseball. They go 12 and 12. They're 87 and 75. For the Mets to match that over their last 23 games, they have to go 16 and 7. And they still have a series with the Phillies, four with the Diamondbacks, three with the Dodgers, three with the Braves, who we don't know what they're going to be playing for at that point. That's a lot of games against good teams. You're making it very, very difficult on yourself to just get there. And that's if the Cubs play 500. If they do better than that, forget it. You're done. You actually have to win 20 out of 23 to get to 91 and hope you top the Cubs. It's not going to happen anymore, folks. This is because they've been blowing games all year because of this lousy bullpen, and it's going to cost them the playoffs this year. They have a nice core. They have some good young players in there. They have good pitching, but the bullpen has failed them. The bad bullpen has destroyed this season. And they need to spend pretty much all their offseason capital fixing that bullpen. And I think we've hit the point where Edwin Diaz has to go. They've heard for weeks now about how he's going to fix it. He's getting close. He's had good stuff. He's done good work with Phil Regan. But you know what? At this point, I don't think it's salvageable here. The Mets have to admit a mistake here. Don't compound the mistake by bringing him back and making him the closer. That You do that, by June, he's gone again. I guarantee you. He's going to lose this job. He just can't handle New York right now. And he still is young. He's still saying 91 games over the previous two seasons. Someone will trade you for him. You might get 50 cents on the dollar, but you have to move on from him. And get rid of him. Get rid of Familia, too, because I'm sick of it, his act. I mean, come on. ERA over six for the year? Give me a break. You have to get them out of here. Get some new guys in here. Figure it out. This group you have is not going to work. It's sunk one season. You can't let it sink two. That's all I have to say on the Mets for now. We're going to shift gears to our NFL preview roundtable with Will Schneiderhan and Jack Clark right after this. Rogers surveying, fires. That's caught. Randall Cobb into Chicago territory. Randall Cobb inside the 20. All right, we are back with this week's big NFL preview. The call you guys heard from Al Michaels and Chris Collins on NBC Sports. The big play from Aaron Rodgers in week one of the 2018 NFL season with Packers beating the Bears. Packers are meeting the Bears in week one again on Thursday night to kick off the season. Decided to do a NFL preview panel this week and get us ready for the year. First up, the guy who is the unofficial co-host of the podcast, Will Schneider, has not been out for too long, so he brought him back on. Will, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. And somebody who we had on last year during the pick season, week number five, and talked a little Mets more recently with this guy, Jack Clark. Jack, welcome. How are you? Good, Mike. How you been? I'm doing very good. I'm just so excited. Football season is finally here, guys. We are through the meaningless preseason. We're through the long off season. It's finally here. Jack, how excited are you right now for football? I'm very excited, obviously, as a couple of you are here, Jets fans. Yeah. Uh, I think the outlook for the season, especially in the off season, was super bright. And Jets fans, I like myself, have not been this excited for a season in a while. A bunch of stuff has happened that's kind of cooled the Jets there, but still, obviously, very excited for football to be back. I do like the pun there; that was very clever. Thank you. Will any thoughts on the Jets? We're going to start right there. Uh, kind of like a mixed bag. I'm happy with the free agents that they brought in, but. I still think the draft is really bad, <laughs> and uh, highlighted by uh, Jakai Polite. Exactly, cut. exactly. Like, yeah, cutting third round picks is not ideal. Yeah, like uh, Quinnen's true McCagnan fashion. Yeah, Quinnen's be a stu- well. McCagnan's had a history of hitting the first rounders. Has been god awful. Right, right. Outside round. of that, and <laughs> yeah. that's highlighted by this. Exactly. So I, I think like I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm right with Jack. I'm super excited, but. I'm not one of those guys who thinks they're going to go 10 and 6, something like that. It's just, I think it's just more progress, right? Just keep progressing the right way. So I think most Jet fans understand the windows of opportunity isn't completely open for us yet. Yeah, I exactly. think you just temper the expectations and hope that building off of what we saw at the end of the season last year, we can kind of ride that momentum in the beginning of the season and just see the team come together under now this new ownership and the new head coach see things that 
get us even more excited for next year perhaps mm-hmm. when the windows open no that's definitely what it is see what see how see how like the first step goes and go from there i just think the defensively their their secondaries is atrocious yeah the secondary definitely has some issues outside of the safeties because safeties are good especially marcus may when healthy is a big help but yes. like the i feel like the offense definitely much 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 better than the defense that's number one i feel like it's funny, you guys are both a little more pessimistic. I just took the over on the podcast last week when Joe and I did over on the Jets over seven wins. I think they're going to get to at least 500. And from there, we see where we go. I, I think so, too. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I just think, like Will said, ten and, like for the fans out there that want to see the 10 and 6 and like yeah. knock the Patriots off, win the division, I don't think that's a realistic possibility right now. I mean, you never know with an NFL season how things will go. Um, I, I just think that as a Jets fan, I'll be happy with. Like you said, a season over 500. Yeah, definitely. And if we make the playoffs, that would be even better. Icing on the cake. Yeah, like tenants, like I'm not saying five wins, but I think eight, nine, you know, I guess it's like if you say nine, why not 10? But there is a difference, you know, yeah. there's a big difference between nine and seven and 10 and six. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's like a 500 season if all goes well. And it, I mean, I, I only think they win 10 if Darnold's just. Mahomes like you know like takes a massive step forward and the kid's just unbelievable which I guess could happen yeah before we move on from that I think the key with them obviously I think is how they start the season because their first six games are dreadfully hard (laughs) I mean you start off you get the Buffalo game at home which they probably should win but then you get the Browns the improved Browns at home on the night at the Patriots, the week four bye, which is horrendous, by say, the way. That, that's, that's tough, tough. like real tough. That's yeah. going to be brutal for Especially that team. Especially when it gets cold out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're going to play 13 straight weeks of football after that. It's yeah. going to not be fun. No. And then you got the coming out of the bye, they go to Philly, and then they have Dallas and the Patriots on a Monday night. So I think if they're out of that 3-3, three, three, they're going to have a great year. But if not, it could be another tough year. That's definitely fair. I think that the general consensus is get to 500 after those first six weeks and then go from there because the back end of the schedule is excessively weak. Yeah, I even saw someone suggest that the goal for the Jets should be three and four through the first seven games, so the first eight weeks with the bye, which, you know. It's still fair. Yeah, considering the schedule that we have. But it starts, I think the overarching theme was that it starts with the game at Buffalo. I'm, I'm sorry, game versus Buffalo. We have to win this first week game against Buffalo. And we always seem to. Yeah, they do. They need to win that game. <laughs> Let's go on to the Giants for a little bit, the other New York team. And it's a mixed bag with them because obviously they're a bit dinged at the receiver position. They made the big trade, sent Beckham away. They let Landon Collins walk. They reshaped the defense. They drafted Daniel Jones. So, Will, I'll start with you. What exactly do you think we're going to get out of these New York football giants this year? Well, you say mixed bag. I think that's really nice putting it. I think the Giants are just as bad as they have. I think there's – I guess there's like a difference, right? They're more talented, I guess, in certain areas. But I don't know if – I don't know. They just traded Odell Beckham. So, what does talent do for the Giants? (laughs) But I I like – I think the Giants are like a five or six win team. I just uh, every year we do this with the Giants for the past three years going into the season. It's insane. Like Giants fans are like sipping something where they're like, "Oh, we can go to the playoffs." Like, can't, no, <laughs> yeah. just accept the fact that you're going to be bad again. I mean, there's <laughs> too many. I love their offensive line. That's the only good thing I'll say. And their running backs exceptional, but huge uh, progress for them with the offensive line. Yeah, by the way, but then I just hey I. <laughs> I just don't know, man. I, I think that they're going to have a tough time moving the ball in the uh, through the air. And defensively, they are just like – that's not good. I mean, plain and simple. No. <laughs> really young, really young. I guess there's a lot of potential. Yeah, there's potential, I feel. I think that a lot of it revolves around the fact that – or not the fact, but revolves around how early will will we see Daniel Jones. Big time. Because does that – is it – are we going to see him early because Eli has nothing left in the tank? Are we going to see him – early enough that everyone considers the season to be over don't you feel like, like is that's he gonna the be- only way though right like right, I right. Feel that's, like that's the only way that's what i have in my yeah. head is that if he comes in early enough there's going to be those people that are you know calling it a season that's it we're just going to try and get him the experience or is he going to be coming early enough and actually have yeah. be what they wanted him to be with that early first round pick and spark spark the team spark the yeah. offense and all of a sudden they make some sort of run I just if I were a Giants I don't know fan, I foresee that happening. If I were a Giants fan, I would 
and I, I mean, I'm not. I, this isn't. This isn't like breaking news. Like I'm sure a lot of fans feel like this. I would just rather watch Daniel Jones, wouldn't you? I mean, last year yeah. I was so happy that Gi- the Jets decided. Granted, uh, McCowan was not Eli Manning, but there was still a decision that had to be made there, and they could have went with Bridgewater. But I mean, hey, I'd, if my team's gonna lose five games, I'd rather it be with a young quarterback so I can actually watch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the thing here I think that's interesting or is the fact that like games, sorry. Yeah, well obviously it's a big if I'm losing five games, I'm sure to sign up for that right now. But like if you, the difference here I think it's like it's so intriguing because Daniel Jones in the preseason was fantastic. I know it's preseason, I know teams are not playing anyway. How would they play at the Bears? The Bears didn't send any starters in New York for that game. So they sat all twenty two yeah. of the starters. So but I think with them it's just a matter of like like Jack said, like when are we getting Daniel Jones? Are we getting him like before the bye, are we getting him if they're two and six? Are we getting him if they will they pull the Kurt Warner and pull Eli Manning if he's not playing while the team still has a chance? We'll see. I think it's very interesting there. But you if think it, he plays against the Jets in November? I would say I still think it's gonna be Eli Manning against the Jets. I mean right. my hunch. I feel like the Giants schedule early enough is it's like their skills are kind of the opposite of the Jets, where like the Jets are really hard early, then it kind of turns into a cakewalk by the end. But like the Giants early on, I mean the Dallas game is not easy, but then they have Buffalo at home. They have the trip to Tampa Bay, and then they have a home game against the Redskins. They could easily win three of those games. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a big test. I, I, I shouldn't bash as much as I did in the beginning. I do. They have young corners and stuff, but it's just too much for me to say they're going to go and help you win. I mean, we saw Jamal Adams. He had times where he was getting cooked his rookie year. That dude's like all pro level. and I, So I don't know, you know. It's tough at those positions. It'll be interesting to see too how like the defenses prepare for Barkley. Now, is it going to? Yeah, that that that's what everyone's guess is: is that the box is going to be stacked and they have no receivers. I mean, they have Engram, who he's played well for so so far in his career, but with the box stacked and they're them the defense is taking Barkley out of the picture. Is Eli that guy that's going to be able to now exactly. dink and dunk all over the field or go or hit a guy deep and, and take advantage of that and open up the running game for Barkley? I, yeah, I don't know. That's what I was trying to hint in the beginning with, like, you could break a game open with Odell Beckham Jr., but, I mean, who's going – Sterling Shepard operates out of the slot. I mean, Golden Tate is not really an outside physical receiver either. I mean, I, just, I don't know where are you going to get that big 50-yard – I mean – I don't blame them for trading Beckham. I think that was still the right thing. But you're going to see where, like, that was an abysmal offense where he would help them immensely with some pull it out of your, you know, you know what catch. Now it's like, I where are you going downfield? And then he's just going to keep, like, screening Barkley. Right. Their game breakers, just, their game breakers Barkley. Yeah. And the defense is going to stop Barkley. Just so, so they're like, going to let Eli or Daniel Jones and the rest of yeah, the offense. They have to make the decision beat them which yeah. is the is the right thing to do but yeah. the question is can they do that and even and Barkley had a few games last year where he was you know human exactly <laughs> and I, I think the kid's unbelievable don't get me wrong but hey I mean if you're stacking the box like that it's tough for anybody to rip off runs <laughs> yeah I mean let's make one thing clear if you're in a fantasy football draft and you have some reason not drafted yet by the time you're listening to this like Saquon Barkley should be your number one pick because still, he is the entire still, yeah. New York football giant offense he's gonna get like 30 touches I've gotten game. Barkley <laughs> In two separate drafts at the number two spot. Yeah. Who? Oh, McCaffrey won. All right. Same McCaffrey won's interesting. It's honestly the same situation, isn't it? I mean, I think in Carolina, that's a branch off. The real quick, Carolina's kind of the same thing. Yeah. More, uh, they have Cam Newton, but, so yeah, you get away with it more. But the, but the weapons yeah. are still not there. Really, <laughs> Just wide receiver. Get your screens and DJ pick Moore up the is your guy. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's hit on a couple of other teams before we go a little rapid fire here. First, like, Mike, I had a question first. Sure. Just, just a go quick right ahead. point, right? So we said, will we see Daniel Jones against the Jets in November? Yeah, that's a good – yeah, that was my, Will's question. Will's question, right? Yeah. My question is, if Daniel Jones is not starting by then, will Adam Gase prepare for Daniel Jones to possibly be playing in that game? Let's hope instead of – Because we know what happened last year, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's hope, right? Yeah. We, I, I, don't, I, no more. I, it's already playing in my mind. I can <laughs> see We it. can see it happening again. Yeah. Well, Leading him and then, boom, rookie quarterback comes I just, in. I think just just by breathing, I think uh, Adam Gase is a much better head coach than yeah. Todd Bowles was. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, Todd Bowles had that team just so unprepared at times. It's just mind-boggling. I feel like Adam Gase, like, he I'm does look a little manic. Gasol. I mean, he's doing the smelling salts on the sideline, <laughs> make sure he's staying awake. But I feel like he at least is prepared in the football lines. I agree. All right, let's go on to some other teams now. Now we got the Daniel Jones smelling salts uh, Adam Gates discussion <laughs> out of the way. So, quick on a couple of teams. 
do you guys buy the Browns? I'll go to Jack first. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. I, I don't buy it. I don't. I, I don't know if I can be unbiased here because it's just the cockiness and the arrogance around this team, and it 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 starts with May- Baker Mayfield in my eyes, and I love the kid for his passion and, and his belief in his guys and his team. I just think that it's a little too much, and it's it's a lot way too much talking without anything there to back it up i understand he looked good last season but there was a stat where what he won one out of five or six games against an actual playoff team or a team above 500 there's just there needs to be more less talking and more showing so that i think more people will buy in i think people want to buy in because it's you know they got all these new guys and these new faces and and this offense is so incredible and when Kareem Hunt comes back, they have him plus Chubb. And if that's a committee with uh, Jarvis Landry and Beckham at receiver and, and Joko at tight end, it's like, yeah, you look at the offense, it's incredible. But I need to see it first to really buy in and believe it. Yeah, you're, So I'm not buying in. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like the, I am like I want to see it because, again, there's just so much hype with this team. Now, last year they had no expectations at the beginning of the year, middle of the year. They were what, like 2-6 and six at some point, 2-6-1, and one, whatever it was, the tie. And then, like... They got hot down the stretch, but, like, again, I want to see it. I want to see that this team can go in with the way they were. I mean, they're on primetime three of the first five weeks of the season. That's a lot of hype for the Browns, and I feel like they could easily wilt under that pressure. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, and we know the personalities that are in that offense. Mm-hmm. How are they going to mesh? We haven't really seen – we haven't seen it. Yeah, We've yeah. seen how personalities that are currently on that team have not meshed mm-hmm. in the past – there's a reason Odell Beckham is on that team because he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah, I know his, his buddy is Jarvis Landry, but how quick will Jarvis Landry, Landry turn and say, start talking to the media about Odell's getting too much? No, definitely. And like I said, I need to see it. I'll be there week two, and I'll probably be eating my <laughs> words, and I'll, I'll see it in person, yeah. my own eyes. Yeah. Well, I'll go to you with this next one here. So let's go to the NFC East here. Who do you think is the favorite there, the Eagles or the Cowboys? I'm gonna. I like Dallas. I still do. No Matt. You know why? Because that defense is. You know, it's hard to replicate that. You know, every year, but that defense is still just. I think hands down one of the best units in the league. And no matter what, it sounds like Zeke may be in there. He's getting closer to a deal. It doesn't even matter. You could score twenty points and they can win. That defense is elite. Yeah. And I think. I, I I am a Dak supporter where I think he's better than people say he is. But I'm not. He's not. You know, the Cowboys fans say he's better than he is. Non-Cowboys he's not worth fans. that money. That no, 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 not at all. But as I'm f- with you. As far as like a, just a guy who you know can throw three picks, he'll find a way to have still have that team in a game. And I just Philly, Philly just feels like there's so many moving parts and that defense and their secondary is relatively young too. So I do. I think Dallas is going to get it. I think Dallas is a team to beat just because they got elite playmakers on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I like the Dallas pick there. I will say the Eagles, though, I do think they just have so many weapons on the offense now. With Deshaun no Jackson back mm-hmm. there, they drafted that kid, at, uh, J.J. Arcega, white size. You get some work with Alshon, with Zach Ertz, with Dallas Goddard. I think it's going to be a very fun race in the NFC East. And I think the key is, is like how fast, assuming Zeke signs, I mean, they're pre- preparing to back up that Brinks truck for him right now. We're recording on Tuesday. And as of right now, there's a six-year, $90 million offer on the table for him. So, like... So he takes the money. Maybe he doesn't play week one against the Giants. Maybe he does. We'll see. But, like, if he's there, very compelling race in that division. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Jack, let's go to you for this next one. Next hot topic, AFC South. Colts down the quarterback now that Andrew Luck side to step away from the game. Who is the new favorite in that division? Because there's a lot of wild things going on down there. I guess, in my opinion, it's the Texans. I just think that another year – for Deshaun Watson, we've seen what he can do. That offense is really, really good. Plus, they have the talent on defense in, in certain spots. I mean, you look at J.J. Watt, it's – come on, he's a, he's, a, he's a game changer on defense. The injury to Lamar Miller is interesting. I actually thought that the Texans were going to be now uh, looking at Melvin Gordon. I was surprised to see that they weren't. I, I We don't know. We haven't heard anything, whether the price tag was too high, whether they were just not interested at all. I think that it's really a two-team race between uh, the Texans and the Jaguars. 
I don't think Colts can be counted out, personally. I don't know what you guys think about I I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's a very capable quarterback. I think the Colts realize that, and that's why they just signed him to this new deal, because they believe in the kid. They believe in him to be able to run an offense. And, again, that's another offense that has a lot of talent, too. So I don't think they can be counted out. I don't even think they can be counted out as a favorite. I understand this Andrew Luck thing is a big blow, but – they're another team that has a lot of talent on offense. Yeah, not a Super Bowl favorite, but I think no, I yeah. still division, think, I think a division favorite still. No, I if you ask me the same yeah. question, I would say the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville is just Lord knows what you're going to get from them. Houston, I just I, I think defensively they're a little they're not there. I think you just plopped an average. Like you said you just plop a capable quarterback behind one of the best offensive lines in the league and a really good defense. I think the Colts I still think the Colts can get that. No, I think you went from like a 13 win team to like 9 or 10. Exactly. Yeah. And that's still going to win you that division. Yeah, the thing with that division that's interesting is like obviously number one, I think we all agree the Titans are not winning it. Because no. <laughs> they are not very good. <laughs> They're atrocious. And I Marcus Mario can't pass away out of a paper bag at this point, so that's not <laughs> very good. And number two, I mean just the whole thing. Division's messy because the luck thing the Texans making trades like drunken sailors over the weekend to the point that Bill Simmons went on Twitter and said, someone stop, take the Texans picks away, they're drunk. And, I mean, the Jags are the Jags. I mean, Nick Foles would help a quarterback. They have a running game. They have supposed to be a top-flight defense. I mean, like, they're – if they get enough out of the core acquisition, I feel like they are a threat there, but I would lean the Texans. That would uh, be my personal. Yeah. Well, th- think of it this way. Who's – Besides Deshaun Watson, who's the second best quarterback in that division? It might be Jacoby Brissett. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is fair, and I think J- Jacoby Brissett has actually proven that. I mean, I know you look at Nick Foles and you see what he's done in the, in the postseason and and all that, but Jacoby Brissett, I think, has more of a track record of doing it consistently than Nick Foles does. Smart. They're they're a big question mark, the Jaguars, because what are you going to get? Out of Foles at quarterback. Fournette, you never know if he's going to be on the field. Yeah, his health is always going to be yeah. in question. The defense, I think, is obviously, like we said, the most consistent there. But, I mean, to have a question mark at quarterback, what you're going to get uh, a question mark at quarterback and running back, and we know oh, their receiving sure. core is – Yeah, for sure. I mean, no that's, that's, that's an, that might be the biggest question mark because I don't know what to expect from Definitely, that. Definitely, yeah. All right, well, I'll give you another NFC-related question here. Let's go with – the let's go with the Rams for a minute. They had that big disappointment in the Super Bowl where, first of all, the fact they got there, the way they got there with the controversial no call, yeah. Jack shaking his head in the corner over there. He's still bothered by that. <laughs> just Yeah, just because they lost to the Patriots. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they, they lose, they get to the game in controversial fashion. They get no show on offense. They score only three points. We've seen a lot of times over the years where a team that gets Super Bowl and loses sort of has a hangover the next year where they're sort of just Definitely. meh, miss the playoffs. Do you think that's going to happen to the Rams? Honestly, I don't. Yeah. I just think their coach – I know everybody – that was like the hype train. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody who like touched him or shook his hand was getting an interview for a coaching job. But I still think with him, he's just a different breed. Like yeah. He's going to have those guys going at it again. It's still, I mean, there's so much talent there. There's Todd Gurley, we were talking about it earlier. People, you know – fantasy drafts people were having him go second and third round which is just bonkers because that guy's still unbelievable so i don't see them you know i think i still think they're going to find their way you know through the regular season get the, their double digit wins and find themselves right back contending yeah i agree with that i think that they're going to be i think it's only the favorite in the in the nfc west just because they have so much talent i don't really like the seahawks i think the 49ers are overrated big time <laughs> yeah i actually almost think that the big thing for the Rams, and I think it it may seem obvious, but they need to win their games against the divisional opponents. Uh, obviously, that's everyone needs Again, to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't think there's – I think that's a very competitive division still. I think when you look at all the teams in that division, none of those – it's not like there's when no you slouches. look at the, – There's no Titans yeah. and uh, there's no Giants or Redskins in that division. I think everyone in that division will compete. And I think that's 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 – how it's been for a while i mean maybe it uh it hasn't been like that with all four teams but that that division historically has always been pretty competitive yeah, they constantly beat if up you think about other. our generation yeah. when we watch football so that that seems to be the big thing for me with the rams but i agree with you that i just think they're too talented to really have that hangover yeah, they kind of and they like added well. Wh- whatever they lost, they added well enough. So it's, there's no glaring. Holes, they hedged their right? bet with uh, Gurley 
I know a lot, the reason that he's getting drafted yep. late in fantasy is because people think that he's he's Hurt. running on E with the, the knees and everything, and and they got Darrell Henderson there to back him up. I mean, yeah. You put Weddle they, back there. Weddle's a stud safety yep. to pace joiner. Yeah, I think it's – and they always draft well. I mean, they have all of their, like – they're like the Seahawks in a way. Their fifth and sixth rounders are just like studs. <laughs> All right, let's go a little rapid fire here. Let's do some quick quick hits on a bunch of things. So I'm going to get get us in a little bit of a quick hit mode. All right, Jack, you first. Giant record is? 4-12. and 4-12, and 12, Will. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna one up you for the sake of it. Five and eleven. <laughs> I'll go. I'll one up you. I'll go six and ten. All right. That's my pick. So. All right. Okay. Jet record. Will you're up? I'm gonna go eight and eight. Nine and seven. Nine and seven as well. Jack. Uh, sleeper team you like? Oh man, that's tough. Can I say the Colts because everyone's counting sure. them out? And I, I, I think like that counts. Set. Are we talking Super Bowl? Just uh, over overachieving. Yeah, I say Colts because I think everyone's selling them short. Who you got? Uh, I was just looking at it, and I, this is a team that um, I think people are, are forgetting about because of how poorly they finished. But the Carolina Panthers, I think they're 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 more loaded, you know, offensively too, better playmakers. So and they were really good for like the first seven weeks last year. <laughs> and yeah. a healthy Cam Newton yeah. helps a lot too. Yeah, I'll go similar to Jack, and I feel like people are not talking about this team enough considering their track record. Pittsburgh, I yeah. think. Everybody's all on the brown train. Here come the Steelers to win the North again. So, Will, go your, you bust team. Who's going to underachieve the most? Oh, God. This is a uh, big bust team. You know what? I'm going to say – I'm not going to say the Browns because that's the easy one. But I <laughs> <laughs> I will say, you said it before, the Seahawks. I think a lot of people think Seattle is going to be another one of those 10 and 6 years. I think this might be a year where Seattle's Rick really bad. <laughs> I mean, obviously, my pick is the Browns. It is the easy <laughs> pick, the Browns, but I just think, yeah, it's. I, I just think people are giving them way too much credit, and they haven't done anything. All right, I will wrap it up here. I'm going to say the Chicago Bears. I do not think they're going to do as well as they did last year. That team won 12 games a year ago, a lot of close games, tight defensively. I don't like the Bears this year. I think they're going to be an underachiever. I th- would not be surprised they win only seven games this year. That's my hot take of the week. I actually do agree like, heavily with that. I do. Yeah. Trubisky's kind of bad. Can't yeah, for sure. Sh- left. For sure. And <laughs> let's wrap this all up here. Let's make some interesting picks here. Let's get some stuff on the record here. So who is the NFL MVP? I'm going to go first here. I'm going to say that I'm going to s- take the Patrick Mahomes repeat. I think that there's enough good weapons in Kansas City. Getting Tyreek Hill back helps a lot. I know he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards again or 50 touchdowns again, but I think he's going to do, just, do enough to hold off the challengers and win that MVP again. Uh, Sam Dar- No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to say Mahomes, but I'm going to say he is going to throw for the same exact thing. I mean, that offense is probably more loaded in areas than last year besides the running back position, but I think Shady's going to be good up, good down there. I'm going to take Mahomes, but I'm going to take 5,000 plus and 50 plus again. It's crazy, but I think he's going to do it. I'm going to go, and I think it's definitely a hot take for sure, and it's completely dependent on the health, Deshaun Watson. Ooh, I like that one. I like it too. I I'm, I think that's a good one. <laughs> I do like that. O-line's better, more weapons down there. I like it. All right, and last but not least, we'll make some Super Bowl picks. Either you have it ready. If not, I will give you mine. You go first. (laughs) Okay, I'm going with the runner-up bowl from last year. I'm taking the Chiefs and the Saints, the one Super Bowl we should have gotten if the Chiefs defense could stop anybody and the rest make a correct call. So I think Chiefs-Saints in the Super Bowl, I feel like the universe could give us what we we should have had last year. I I had this feeling strongly once before, and that was the Har Bowl in 2012 with the Ravens and the 49ers. So I think that's what we're getting this year. I'm getting Chiefs-Saints. Yeah, you know what? Chiefs are definitely going to be there for me. And I think I'm going to give it, you know what? I'm going to give McVay one more shot because I think it is just, I think it's still there in the NFC. There's a lot of leeway between them and everybody else. So I'm going to go with Chiefs, Rams. That would be a lot of fun. Remember that they had that money oh, that game 51 yeah. 45 or something like that? Can you yeah. imagine we get that the Super Bowl? I, we, I mean, that was better than the Super Bowl that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. I was going to yeah. say that. If that was the Super Bowl, yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yep. So you said Chiefs, Rams. Yep. I said Chiefs Saints. Chiefs Saints. 
See, yeah, my thought was Chiefs definitely. I'll I'll change up the NFC team and I'll go with one that sleeper, but building off what you said, Chiefs Packers. Ooh, I like that one. I think if it p- plays out like you said with the Bears underachieving, that I think opens the door for the Packers. I think more than the Vikings. I don't know if yeah, that's, that's a that's, consensus around. A lot of people, people have been here. saying Vikes, but I do agree with you. I think if I'm giving it to someone, I'm giving it to Aaron Rodgers. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think people forget. Not people don't forget, but you have to realize how good of a quarterback yeah. he is. Yeah. And now with the new regime, if you will, over there could be interesting to see and and all it really takes is for a team to get hot at the right time we know they have the talent to make it to the playoffs i feel like rogers is one of those sneaky mvp picks too I was yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you could go with the youth <laughs> yeah you can always you kind of forgot about him with all the turmoil around him with the coaching and people think he's a diva but like you never know he could sneak in there you know throw 40 touchdowns throw like four interceptions win that mvp Lead the pack back to Super Bowl. Joe D was on the podcast last week. Joe Dalvisio. He took the Packers over the nine wins. So <laughs> he'll like that pick. <laughs> I gotta let him know. Yeah, we got. Well, Joe will be on here next week doing the week recap of week number one. But I want to thank you guys for coming on, taking all the time. Before I let you go, I'll let you plug your social medias and stuff you're up to. Will, I'll go to you first. Oh yeah, on Twitter it's at will s c h n e i d e r h one, and uh, right now I'm not doing too many things on Twitter, you know, pump. But I will start to grab some fan sided football stuff when it rolls out, uh, as when the regular season gets going. All right, Jack, how about you? How can people keep up with you on Twitter? At Jack Clark six twenty on Twitter. Like Will said, not really doing much except probably retweeting stuff that I see about the Jets and stuff that I see about the Mets. Hopefully positive stuff. But that's well, what I'm doing on Twitter. With the Mets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I talk about the Mets at the top of the show. We're not, we're not going to dive into that again. So I'm going to spend another 15 minutes here talking about the Mets. But thanks, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. Up next, we're going to do our first NFL picks of the year. Show me the money coming up right after this. Show me the money. All right, that's right. Showing the money's back. NFL picks for week number one coming up shortly. Joining me today is one of my favorite guests from last season, a very memorable ranter. Yeah, New York Giants fan, Justin Diaz. Justin, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Mike. I'm very flattered that I'm one of your favorite guests. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Exciting. First day of football. I'm very excited for football. I'm glad to hear it. So last year, I asked you how you became a Giant fan. You kind of ducked the question when I on a four-minute rant. So I'm going to ask it again. How did you become a Giant fan? <laughs> uh, let me actually answer this time. Uh, so I started liking football, to the, I, let's say it was 2000. I know that specifically because that was the year the Giants went on that miraculous run and played the Ravens against the Super Bowl. So uh, 10-year-old me was a bit of a fan-weather fan, or 11-year-old old. Geez, I don't even know my own age. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just started watching football. You had to pick between the Giants and Jets. I knew very little backstory to either franchise. Uh, I remember seeing all the headlines, the Giants are making this awesome run. Jim Fossil saying, I'm putting all my chips in the center of the table. And that's really it. There's nothing too exciting about why I chose them. It's as simple as they were the team that was hot at the time when I uh, when I became a fan. Well, you're lucky you became a fan in 2000, not 1998. Otherwise, you might end up on the Jet bandwagon with me. That would not have been good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's very true. It's it's all timing is everything. But uh, you guys, I mean, I think you guys have a, a pretty bright outlook right now. I know, I don't know, the Gates hiring was a bit of a question mark, but I, I, I'm I'm a lot more optimistic about the Jets' immediate future than the Giants, as you know. Yeah, I, I know that. So, obviously, this year, not a ton of expectations for the Giants. What do you think is going to happen for them this year? I think we're a terrible team. <clears throat> it's a light schedule. So that's the, that's the one thing I think that might prevent the Giants from having a truly terrible three- or four-win season. Um I, I, it amazes me still how how Giant fans have this amazing ability to talk themselves into positivity. It's an admirable trait, actually. I mean, it's the half glass full approach, I guess. But 
I, I really try and be realistic when I when I'm looking at my teams that I that I that I support. I there's so little talent on defense. I mean, there's not a single proven pass rusher on the team. Right? You're hoping Marcus Golden, who had a good year in 2016, had a I, what was? Do you know what his injury? What he tears ACL, blew out his Achilles, something, some devastating injury. Hasn't been a, the same player since. That's our that's our hope in pass rush. Or Lorenzo Carter who had a a pretty decent rookie year. We're hoping he's going to break out. Uh, B.J. Hill, Hill had a solid rookie year as an interior guy. It, there's no pass rush. The secondary is more of the same. A bunch of unproven young guys that. Maybe they'll be good, maybe not. When, when every single position's a question mark and there's very little high upside talent, it's 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 a disa- it's going to be a disaster on defense. Offense, uh, the Beckham trade to me was I, I know that this could be one of my rants, but I'll, I'll keep it relatively short. It, it was a, a really bad trade. It's just no logic behind it. Uh, the whole culture, the lo- the locker room culture is, is not a good excuse. We traded our, our one explosive playmaker at, at, at receiver. Um, it, we have no sort of deep threat that can stretch the field. Eli's washed. Uh, our one, obviously, Saquon can make things happen, but to me that, that's, that's our offensive system now. It's to hand the ball to Saquon and hope he makes something happen because uh, it, it's, it's going to be – I think the offense might be competent against uh, you know, the, the middle-of-the-road defenses. I think a good defense that stacks the box and gets a bit of pressure on Eli, the offense is just going to falter, uh, and then they're going to need a, an explosive offense if they want to keep up. Because I really think this defense is going to is going to be a sight to see, but but not for good reasons. I, I really think it's going to be awful. So, long story short, I think this is a, it's another bad season, another lost season. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, I'll say six wins. Bad team. It's not even a gray area. It's it's a very bad football team. I'm just beaten down by the Giants. Dave Gettleman's just pure incompetence. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, just to say basically, you're a realist. Basically, like you're you're not looking at the reality situation. You're saying this is what I see. This is what's happening. And I mean, that's. I think that's just fair. I mean, before we move on, I want to give you one chance to tell me your thoughts on Daniel Jones and when we actually end up seeing him this year. <laughs> um, that's. This is kind of a cop-out answer, but it's really going to depend on if they're winning games, which I, you know, as, as the last few minutes have dictated, I, I obviously don't think they're going to win many. But one thing the Giants have shown is they don't have to realistically be in the playoff picture for them to keep going for it, quote-unquote. They just have to somewhat mathematically be in it. I think if they're a middling team, 3-3, three and three, let's say, at week six, they're sticking with Eli, which is ridiculous to me. I was on this podcast a few months ago, and I crushed the Daniel Jones pick. I hated it. I still think it was the wrong pick. Uh, I, I was emotional at the time because that was kind of a buildup of all the, the last year of Gettleman and confidence. I think he showed maybe the, the scouting reports that he has a very weak arm, or that might have been a, a bit of an exaggeration. I'm still skeptical. I don't, I'm not optimistic he's going to be good. I can't get over the fact that he was a middling ACC quarterback. Um, to answer your question, if they go out of the gate terrible, like 0-3, 0-4, I, I do think they'll plug in Jones. If they're having a middling season where they're kind of hanging in there, the offense looks okay, Eli looks okay, that'll be enough to keep playing him. Um, the, 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 it's going to really – I think Dallas is going to handily beat them. Uh, Buffalo, I have no idea what they're going to be this year. I don't think they're very good, but – if they go and lose to Buffalo at home, the the chance and the the media is going to be all over Shermer to to put in Jones, and we'll see. I, I don't. I just to throw a random guess at it. Let's. I, I'm going to guess they're going to start terribly because, as I've said, I think it's a terrible team. Uh, I'll just guess and say Jones Jones is plugged in by week six because they're like two and or let's say week seven because they started two and four or one and five or something terrible like that. Yeah, week seven will be home against the Cardinals. That would not be a bad spot to get the kid his first start. My guess is going to be after the bye week. That's gonna. That's what I'm going to say. They play ten weeks. I think they'll know by then if they're in or out. I think if they're out, they'll put him in at that point. That's fair. You're, you're right. Give you give him the extra week of preparation. Um, I, I love Eli. He's one of my favorite athletes ever, and he he, had, he gave us some great years. I, I think Eli had a he had a really misunderstood career. 
he kind of came out of the gate his rookie year looked terrible. Then he, he made some major strides the next couple of years, got hot for the playoff run. There was a point when Eli was a great quarterback, and I don't think a lot of people really agree with that sentiment or necessarily see it that way. They, they did not put him in great circumstances, but he managed to raise the offense to a level that a lot of guys wouldn't, would have struggled to or really wouldn't have been able to. So I think he was underappreciated, and then the last couple of years he really stunk. So he went from very underappreciated to now people are giving him too much slack and saying, well, the line stunk. And that's true, and that's very fair. It's very difficult to operate in the NFL if, you don't, if you're getting no time. But he was awful. Even when he had time, he was, he was skittish. He was missing throws. There were phantom sacks. There's no mobility. He never did, but it's honestly at a, a really bad point now. I guess long way of saying I, I think the Giants are, are being too considerate of his feelings and respecting him. He's been the quarterback for 15 years. I mean, that's almost unheard of, but he's done. Let's, let's move on. Like, let's see what I, – I don't like Jones, but if we're up there, I think the smart move, play him from week one, let's find out what we have immediately. Yeah, Jets did that with Darnold last year. Giants week one at Dallas. I feel like the NFL has never imagined if they have played the Cowboys every single year, either week one or week two. So what do you think is going to be different about this game? Different? Um, I mean, I, I think Dallas will control the game pretty easily start to finish. Um, Zeke's back. Yeah, we don't Obviously, you don't really know what type of shape he's in. Apparently, he's working out with some trainer, but – Either way, I think Dallas will run the ball over the Giants. Uh, Dak will have plenty of time to pick them apart. Um, I think Dallas is a very good defense. They'll be able to contain, probably stack the box, contain Saquon to an extent. I mean, Saquon is so good, he could make any, he could take off for a seven-year touchdown regardless of the defense. That's that's the only way they're staying in a game against a, team, a far superior team like Dallas is just hoping Saquon does something. So I was joking with a couple of friends. I mean, the Giants' offense has evolved, quote unquote, from hoping Beckham does something to now hoping Saquon does something. <laughs> they, they haven't had much of a system lately. Just they've been fortunate to have two truly generational talents. Beckham, I said this last, I think, at one point in your podcast. Beckham, the offense was Beckham take a seven-yard slant, seventy yards, and just clap and say, "Good job." <laughs> now Saquon, it's Make block two guys, give them an inch of space, hope he makes the next four guys miss, take it 80 yards to the house, clap, good job, Saquon. We're so, that was a brilliant scheme. Um, so to be different, I, I mean, Dallas has pretty much owned us lately. I, I think that will continue. Um, if I had to put a score on it, I'm going to say 27 to 13, and I think those last seven come on a garbage drive uh, towards the end of the game that's meaningless. All right, well, that's that's a good way to look at it. Let's get to the reason you're here, which is the picks. You're the representative team challenger for week number one. Every I'm going to make my NFL picks against the spread. Somebody from the challengers will come on and make three picks. You are the first representative team challengers. I will let you take the floor, make some picks. Go right ahead. Give me your first one. All right, well, we'll stick with that Cowboys-Giants game. Very confident in the Cowboys. A lot of fellow Giant fans don't want to hear me say that, but... I'm taking Cowboys minus seven against the Giants. Yeah, I pretty much explained all that already. I, I think the logic is there. The number is a little tricky for me. That's why I would stay away from it, but I can see the logic. Cowboys minus seven for you. Where are you going to go with your next pick? I am going to go with the Chiefs minus three and a half at the Jags. Uh, I'm pretty surprised to see the line that was that low. I think the Chiefs are just a juggernaut. I think they'll handily beat the Jags. The Jags do it. I think their defense is has the talent. I think they could have another like a bounce back year. Uh, I think last year the offense was just so bad and their the team just fell apart. So I, I could see the Jaguars having a bounce back year. I actually like them to make the playoffs. But just I, I think the Chiefs are just going to overwhelm teams again this year. Yeah, this is one I feel like if it was in Kansas City the line would be much higher. The fact they're on the road, I think three and a half is a magical number. I see why you took it. The defense scares me because the Jags, you know, are capable of being good things, but I think that number is definitely mad. I can see why you went there with that pick. Where are you going with your third and final choice of week number one? I'm going with the Seahawks minus nine and a half against the Bengals. I don't think this one needs that much of an explanation. It's a, it's a big line, but there's a reason for it. Uh, the Bengals are probably in for a rough year. They have a lot of injuries. AJ's not playing. 
Um, Dalton is Andy Dalton. Uh, and the Seahawks, I, I think the Seahawks should have a good year. They're, they're defense, they got uh, traded for Frank, Frank Clark. Did they get Frank Clark? They re-signed Frank Clark, I'm sorry. They traded for Clowney. Um, traded for Clowney. Yeah, their pass rush could be very good. Um, I, I think they, they should win this game handily. Yeah, and again, big thing, Seahawks at home. And they are very good in that building, and the Bengals don't look very good. I'm not, I would not be surprised this turns into a big blowout. So I, I agree with you there. I'll go to my picks. Pick number one. I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to take my Jets minus three at home against Buffalo. The line is very manageable. These teams are very similar talent-wise. I think the Jets, the offensive line's improved. Darnold's got weapons to work with. When these two met last year in Buffalo, Darnold outplayed Allen. They won the game. I think the same's going to happen again. It's only three points. Give me the Jets with the three. I'm going to take that as my first pick. I like that pick. I I. I... Don't I mean I'm cautiously saying this because the Jets are just have been a stuck in mediocrity. I actually like where they're where they're going. I, I think Crowder was a, kind of an under the radar radar underrated pickup. Le'Veon, I think you know we haven't seen him in a long time, but still Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Darnold should take a big leap this year. I think, and I actually th- I don't think the Bills are good at all. I think the Jets have a lot more talent than the Bills. I, I think that that's a good pick, Mike. That's pick number one for me. Pick number two, I'm going with the first underdog of the year. I'm taking the Redskins and the 10 points on the road at the Eagles. I know the Eagles are very good. The Eagles are going to probably be jousting with Dallas that division title all year, but I don't think the Redskins are bad enough that they should be 10-point underdogs on the road. I mean, they have a capable quarterback to manage the game in case Keenum. Their defense is respectable. They have a running game with Peterson and Darius Geis. The outside weapons are questionable, I'll give you that, but... 10 points is a lot to lay in a divisional game, and I think the Redskins will find a way to cover that number. So I'm going to take the 10 points and run with the Redskins. I I don't know about that one, Mike. I take Case Keenum on the road. I, I don't think Case Keenum is a good is, – is, he had a good year with the Vikings. I think that was a more, like a, a fluke. Um, I, I think the Eagles are a great team this year, unfortunately. I, I think they should – Week one is, is, is like any week in the NFL, but I feel like week one is particularly unpredictable because teams are still knocking lust off. I could see the Eagles running away with this one early and just it becoming a, just they're running out the clock for a lot of the second half. But we'll see. But I, I, I don't I don't necessarily like that pick, but I see what you're saying. Though. Yeah, that one, just, the number's too big for me. I'm going to take the, the points and run because I feel like I'm you need two touchdowns to beat to cover that number. I don't think they're going to blow them out that bad. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, my last pick, pick number three. I am going with the Los Angeles Rams laying two and a half on the road in Carolina. I know there are concerns there because obviously you have them flying east, playing at 10 a.m. body time. They have Super Bowl hangover, but there are concerns with Carolina too in that game. I like that term body time, by the way. I'm going to start using that at work. Like yeah. if someone asks me to do something, I'm going to say, well, I'm not really on 9 a.m. body time, even yeah. though it's 1 p.m. human time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, back to the back to the Rams. I mean, the Panthers had their own issues. Cam Newton is playing with a foot foot sprain. I feel like he is going to have some issues dealing with the Ram pass rush. The defense is still very good. They added Clay Matthews to to give them some extra presence off the edge. And the Rams, they've been very quiet. I feel like they've been very sneakily underlooked the preseason. I feel like they're going to come out, try and make a statement, and say, you know what, we're back. We're not going to the Super Bowl to find us. I feel that team's going to take it on Carolina. I'm going to lay the two and a half with the Rams. That means I just need to basically win the game by a field goal. And that's all I need. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I, that's just, I think that's a great pick. I, I don't think the – I don't even think these – I'm surprised to hear the line is that low. I, I think the Rams are – they're still a great team. Maybe you're right. They lost a little luster because of the the uh, lame, lame uh, duck offensive – that's not the right term, but the bad offensive performance in the Super Bowl is kind of disappointing, but – they're still a great team. I still expect them to be explosive on offense this year. Um, I think they should cover that against the Panthers as well. All right, so to basically to reset here, Justin has gone with the Cowboys minus seven at home against the New York football Giants, the Chiefs minus three and a half in Jacksonville, and the Seahawks minus nine and a half at home against the Bengals. I have gone with the Jets minus three at home against the Buffalo Bills. The Redskins, plus 10 in Philadelphia against the Eagles. And the Los Angeles Rams, minus 2.5 at Carolina. Those are your picks for week number one of Show Me the Money. Justin, thanks for all the time. Before I let you go, do you want to give me a Super Bowl pick? Oh, man, putting me on the spot. Um, 
I'll, I'll say the Chiefs. I think they're just they're so good offensively. Uh, I think Mahomes is just on, he'll go down as a generational quarterback. Um, I like the Chiefs a lot. Their, their defense is somewhat concerning. Uh, maybe Stagnola. This, this is me being a biased Giants fan. Maybe he'll come in and be able to shake things up. Uh, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. They, I, they could have easily won it last year. That, that's my gut. That's what my gut's telling you that the Chiefs will win it. Who do you have winning? Uh, first of all, I know who you have them playing in the game. I'll say the Seahawks. Maybe the Seahawks. I, I cannot, as a Giants fan who really despises the Eagles more than anything, pick them. I do think the Eagles have a good team to make a run. Uh, I'll say the Seahawks. I mean, Russell Wilson will just figure it out. He pull out some magic and uh, make a run in the playoffs. So let's say Chiefs over the Seahawks. That's 30, 30 to twenty-three. Chiefs. Yeah, everyone I had in the podcast this week has the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, including me. I have them being the Saints in the, in the runner-up bowl, the one we should have had last year, if not for the refs and the uh, Chief defense. Yeah, yeah the runner-up bowl, that's very true. Yeah, the Saints are great, too. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, I've been reading a lot about Breeze. There are a lot of questions if that, sec- that he had a kind of a weak second half, if that was a blip on the radar or if, if he really is regressing. I think that's something to watch, but I, I would – yeah, I think it's safe to bet on Drew Brees still being a great player, but something to watch for. Absolutely. And by the way, I want to announce that next week's picks guest, Jersey Joe Arquino, the Chargers fan, first one I've had on the, on this segment. He will be on next week. Justin, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Always a great time. Thanks for having me on, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Absolutely. I'll enjoy the game tonight. Up next, this week's two-minute drill. I'm going to talk about a great human moment at the U.S. Open right after this. Coco. This crowd absolutely loves you. Wipe those tears away. Tell us what Naomi told you at the net. Um, she told me that I did amazing and good luck, and then she asked if I could do an on-court interview with her, and I said no because I knew I was going to cry the whole time, but she encouraged me to do it. All right, we are back. This week's two-minute drill. The U.S. Open is still going on. We are getting close to the end of the tournament, but I want to touch on one of the more interesting moments in terms of a sportsmanship perspective that came back last Saturday in the third round when world number one Naomi Osaka took on 15-year-old American sensation Coco Gauff in the tournament. Gauff won her first two matches to get there, overmatched by Osaka in that match, lost very quickly. At the end of it, she was distraught because this is her dream. She finally gets to Arthur Ashe Stadium where so many of the greats have played, where her idols Serena and Venus Williams have played. But now she's here. She has lost. She is, she's inconsolable. And we got to see a very cool moment. Naomi Osaka, after she wins... Like steps aside, talks to Coco Gauff, encourages her to participate in her post-match interview, a tradition that usually only the winner usually takes part in the on-court post-match interview. U.S. Open's own YouTube channel has the exchange up online. I pulled a snippet of that capturing the conversation between Osaka and Gauff. Let's listen to that and hear what she has to say. Tonight to move into the Sweet 16. Okay, I know that was a little tough to hear at parts, but basically I'll summarize it as this. Basically, right after the match ends, uh, Osaka goes up to Gauff and says, hey, I want you to do the interview with me. All these people came to see you. And, she, and Gauff, of course, trying to follow the protocol, like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to steal your moment. Osaka says, no, it's good. They're here to see you. Let them hear from you. And Gauff, in a true, genuine moment, is like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm just going to cry out here. And Osaka says, you know what? Better cry out here than cry in the locker room in the shower by yourself. So I think tremendous moment of pride for, there for 
Gov to get to be, address the crowd after her exit, and a great job from Naomi Osaka letting her have that moment and sharing the spotlight with her because this, in a way, was eerily similar to what we saw last year at the end of the Women's Final at the U.S. Open where we had the controversy with the, the umpire taking the game for Serena Williams. The crowd turns hostile. Osaka's in tears. At that moment, Serena Williams does her best to help pick up Osaka's spirits, do the best she can to encourage her to embrace the moment and do the best she can with that. And Osaka gets to pay it forward here. She gets to put her arm around Coco Gauff and say, hey, I've been there. I know what it's like. I know it's tough. You should be have your moment, and you should be a part of this. And it was just great to see. We don't see enough of this in sports where people, where competitors just reach out to us as human beings and say, you know what, I have empathy for you. I know what you're going through. We don't see that a lot because everyone's in, in their world of endorsements, money, fame, all that jazz. But this was just a pure human moment. It was very exciting to see. It took off on Twitter for good reason. And hopefully we see more stuff like this going forward. All right, and that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests Jack Clark and Will Schneiderman for coming by the studio to do a big, almost half-hour NFL preview. I also want to thank Justin Diaz for making the first set of picks on the 2019 edition of Show Me the Money. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look back, some of the wild storylines took place during week one of the U.S. Open, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Simply search for Just and the Suffering on any of those platforms, and you can find all our episodes there. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings, or I'll make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag HumanMoment at the end of this week's show. Next week... We're going to recap week one of the NFL season, all the big headlines with Joe D'Aloisio, our NFL guy. We are also going to do more NFL picks and show me the money, recap the U.S. Open, how it wrapped up, and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Novak Djokovic. (laughs) 